morning, family. Oh, man, it's so good to be back here. I, uh, I, I, the last time I preached in Grand Rapids was December of 2019. And my, how things have changed in that time, right? Uh, today, we are going to be continuing the, the sermon series that Ben started, Expand Church. Uh, for those of you who do not know me, my name is Chad Taylor. Uh, I, ben and I are, you know, he's one of my best friends. We stood up in each other's wedding. Uh, you know, I, you know, I changed the boys' diapers back in the day. We were in campus together. Uh, you know, we were roommates numerous times uh, in our in our single and college days. And uh, the Weatherson family is definitely, you know, very very special to me. Uh, so I remember even the fact that uh, we're going to be continuing this as a. I got a radio signal. I'm getting a weird. Sounds like a walkie-talkie. Are we okay? Mike, on. Cool. All right. I just want to make sure that you guys aren't getting feedback on your end. Sorry. All right. As I was saying, uh, we're going to continue Ben's sermon series that he started, Expand Church, which is actually, as he said, I think he even explained it as it's kind of a repeat. And I know for myself, uh, when, when I hear things over and over again, I'm more likely to remember them and more likely to apply them and consider them. Uh, it's funny because the, the sermon that, that I'm supposed to be repeating of Ben's, I was actually in Grand Rapids that Sunday when he did it initially. So I thought that was really cool. And so we're going to be talking today about uh, expanding the church. And last week we talked about church is family. Today we're going to be talking about Church is kingdom, okay? If you got your Bibles and you want to open up, we're going to be in Matthew 6. Uh, there's not a lot of, like, long sections of Scripture today. So some of you might be, you know, excited about that. Maybe you aren't. Uh, maybe you like reading long passages of Scripture uh, in church, and that's cool, if that's your vibe. Uh, I'm a big fan of, like, let's just cut to the chase. So we're going to talk about Matthew 6. Jesus is delivering his, you know, his, his famous Sermon on the Mount. And in Matthew 6, it's right in the middle of it. It's, the, it's, the, it's, it's you know, like he's, he's getting to, getting to the, the heart of worry, right? So and what do we worry about? Typically, we worry about our needs, right? We worry about, like, our clothes and our food and our shelter and all that stuff. And Jesus, uh, he, he, in his section on worry, he, he sums it up in 33. He says... You know, he talks about, don't worry about those things. Like, the, uh, the, the, the pagans run after all that stuff. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as, as well. So, our first priority, according to Jesus, then, needs to be the, the first thing that we're seeking. Before we seek even shelter, before we seek food, before we seek clothing, is God's kingdom and his righteousness. Right? So, but let's talk about this. Kingdom, all right? We're going to talk about the kingdom today. Kingdom. Okay, so when I think of kingdom, growing up as a kid, I thought about like, you know, like uh, King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table and Sir Lancelot. Or I think about kingdom, I think about, uh, you know, like the Magic Kingdom and Disney World, right? So there's castles and princes and princesses and, you know, kings and queens and royal courts and knights and all that stuff. 
That's not what Jesus is talking about, right? But this concept of kingdom, so where is it? Where is God's kingdom? Is it heaven? Yes! Yes, it is. God's kingdom is heaven. Is it the church? Yes, it is the church. But, if you were here for Ben's last sermon, or you've gone online to listen to the, the sermon, that when he did this lesson before, he talked about this concept of already, not yet. Okay? God's kingdom is already, not yet. What in the world does that mean? Well, there's part of it that's happening right now, right? God's kingdom exists now, but God's kingdom will exist in the, in the, the, the time to come, okay? If you have questions on this, please ask Ben. Sorry, Ben. Uh, he can explain this way better than I, okay? What, what I want to talk today is about this concept of kingdom, all right? In Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 14, it says, After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So Jesus is talking at this point. He's like, the kingdom of God has come near. Okay, so he talks about Jesus talking about the kingdom. And then again in Luke chapter 17, later into Jesus' ministry, right? Once again, once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Okay, so there's a kingdom in our midst. All right? So it's coming, but it's in our midst. So we're going to talk about this concept, kingdom. All right, let's look at the, the end. The, there's the king, and then there's the dumb. Okay? If we look at it not as a kingdom like a part or a big piece of land with castles and ruled by kings and protected by knights. But instead, we think of it as a place, or not as a place, but as a state of being. Okay? Let me, let me, let me uh, illustrate. The word freedom, right? Where's freedom? Right? Can you, can, you, can you put your feet in the land of freedom? Well... That's what America calls itself, right? But we, we, it's a state, right? It's a concept of, of being free, right? It's a state of being free. Or I'm a, I'm a math teacher. A lot of my students experience this on a regular basis, right? Boredom, right? It's a state of being bored. So kingdom, right? It's living under the reign of a king. It's not where you live, it's how you live, in the state in which you exist. So the question is, is, the reign, uh, the, is God's reign in my life my first priority? Am I seeking that first? Or am I seeking my clothes? Or is my, my food that I'm eating? Or my shelter? Are those, my, even worse, my entertainment, right? Are those the first things I'm seeking? My comfort, Am I seeking those things first? Or is the reign of God in my life my priority? So the question is, who sits on the throne? Right? Who sits on the throne of Chad's life? Is it Jesus? Or is it Chad? 
any contrast, then who hangs on the cross? So if, if Chad's on the throne, then that puts Jesus on the cross. But Galatians 5.24 says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So this is saying like, so it's, it's not just like, I'm going to put my passions and desires on the cross, right? Like everything gets put up there. All of the flesh gets put up there. All of Chad gets put up on that cross. And then the things, you know, the passions and desires, they get killed too. But we need to be sure that we're on that cross and that Jesus is on that throne. Does this make sense? Okay. Who gets crucified? In the Roman in, in the Roman Empire, the people who were crucified were slaves, enemies of the state, non-citizens. Okay? So you read, you know, we know through history, we know that the Apostle Paul, he was, we know from the scriptures that he was a Roman citizen. We know through history uh, and church tradition that he was beheaded. But, uh, well, that's because he was a Roman citizen. So rarely would Roman citizens be crucified. Okay? So, so the, the concept of, like, we're supposed to be carrying our cross and being up on this cross and crucifying the flesh with its passions and desires, right? So if we have a stake in this world, well, slaves, enemies of the state, and non-citizens, they didn't have a stake in the world, right? So we're not, you know, if we're going to carry a cross, that, that, that's a political statement, Right? And so we need to make sure that we are among the slaves, the enemies of the empire, and the non-citizens. And I need to make sure that Jesus is on the throne and that I'm on the cross. So I have to ask myself, right? Like, in my life, who's the slave and who's the king? Like, I got to tell you, I like to be in control. I like, to, I like to, be, to know what's going on. I like to be calling the shots. I like my opinion to matter. But if I'm a slave, none of that matters, right? I need to be mindful that I'm a slave of Christ. This is a side note. When I was, when I was, in, when I was in college, I wanted so bad to, to get my ears pierced, Okay? But I was living in my parents' house, and mom said, no, as long as you live under this roof, right? So I was living under that authority. So as soon as I got a little bit of freedom, as soon as I moved out, moved into the dorms, I went and I got my ear pierced at the mall. I thought I was so cool. But, I was, but why was I doing it? I was living to be, I was trying to be cool, trying to fit into the world, trying to embrace the world for, for all of its pleasures and, you know, all the things that I thought were, were really, really great. So I, I had that earring, you know, the whole, I, I got baptized, like I studied the Bible, got baptized, and then later on, uh, I read a passage in, in uh, Deuteronomy 14 about a slave who commits themselves to their master for life. And it was about putting an all through your ear, you know, and slaves would hold would have rings in their ears to symbolize that they were a slave, and, and you know who they were, who they were enslaved to, and things like that. And so I'm like, wow, that's awesome! I'm going to do that with my other ear. 
So that went, I just get, you know, I didn't have it all. I was, you know, I was like 20 something. I didn't have it all in my toolbox. Uh, actually, I asked for one for Christmas, didn't get one, but. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, so I got with this piercing stud and I push it through my ear and I'm like, this is my, you know, this is my slavery to Jesus. You know, I don't, I don't typically wear earrings anymore. Um, but, but I feel those in there. And it reminds me, the left ear was my slavery to the world and its, and its standards. My right ear was my, my slavery to Christ. And it's even to feel like even the, you know, you, I still feel like the, you know, the, the, the little bit, the, the, part, the places where they're pierced. And, and it's just a reminder to me of who's the slave and who's the king. It's this whole concept of lordship. You know, the concept of that, that Jesus is the Lord of my life, right? For the longest time, when, whenever I heard the Lord, when I hear about, hear concept, the concept of someone talking about the Lord, right? And, or even when I would read it in the Bible, I would think the Lord, I would think, oh, well, that's God, okay? Or even, well, that's Jesus. Jesus is God, okay? So that's God, and, and God does his thing, and I do my thing, and, you know, hopefully, you know, he'll find me okay so that someday I can go to heaven. But this whole concept of lordship, it's much broader than that. It, it, it is kingdom, right? The king reigning in my life as my lord. We have this passage in Romans 10, 9, right? It's one of Ben's favorite scriptures. It says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, right? This whole concept of Jesus is Lord. Carrying that around with us, I, I, I think about, like, what does this really mean? Does it just mean, well, sir, Jesus is God. But it's much more than that. It's Jesus is my king. Like, his say-so means more even than my own in my life. Jesus is my master. It's not just something that we say when we get baptized, right? Many of us have been baptized, and, and, and we, we say, Jesus is Lord, you know, and then because of your good confession, you can now be baptized in the name of the Lord, you know. But it's not just something that we proclaim then. It's something that with our lives, we should be proclaiming on a daily basis. So who sits on the throne? And who hangs on the cross? So we're going to jump back to Matthew 6.33. So we talked about the kingdom part. So we need to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. You know, and all these things will be given to you as well. Righteousness. What is this righteousness thing? Well, it's just, is it just, well, I'm just going to be a good person? Well, it's this word, dikiasone. Uh, okay? And that's the Greek. That's how you say it, dikaiosone. And it means living in a right standing with the king. It's living in a right standing. And, and in this case, we're living in a right standing with a king. So we're going to be living in a right standing with our king, Jesus. It's not just about being a good person. Hopefully the fruit of living in a right standing with, with Jesus will be that you will be 
you know, what, what some would consider a good person, but it's living in accordance to what that king would think is being on his side, essentially. So righteousness is equated with allegiance, if that makes sense. Who you align yourself with. It's not just about being a good person, but it's about the, the allegiance that you have. So Jesus as Lord is more than just a proclamation of faith. It is a proclamation of allegiance. It's equated with this. So saying Jesus is Lord is not some new concept even that the disciples came up with, you know, after, after Jesus was gone. How are we going to, you know, get word out and let's, let's just have them say this thing. Well, in the time Caesar is Lord is how you proclaimed your allegiance to the Roman Empire. So to say that Jesus is Lord, so Caesar, not Lord, Jesus is Lord, proclamation of allegiance. This is heavily political. We also need to be mindful that my allegiance can presuppose my opinion. All right? So presuppose. My wife has been doubting my use of this word all week. (laughs) And so, but to presuppose is like, it's already made up. The mind has already been made up. So when we are in in allegiance to something or someone, then our mind will already be made up because of that allegiance. Let me give you an example. All right? When your allegiances are to a particular university, especially when it comes to one of these two universities, there is a brother in Ann Arbor who picked up his entire life, his his dream all of his life was to live in Ann Arbor and help help lead the campus ministry at the University of Michigan. So when he was able, he picked up his entire life, moved to Ann Arbor, wasn't even a student at the University of Michigan, and went there and, and just plopped down, was like, I'm going to serve in the campus ministry at the University of Michigan, just so he could be in the midst, in the thick of U of M. So you ask him, anytime U of M plays Ohio State, so bro, who do you think is going to win the game on Saturday? Of course he's going to say U of M because of his allegiance. So we got people, I know some people, maybe there's some of you who wait in line in the cold outside the Apple store whenever a new iPhone or Apple Watch or iPad come out, right? We got some people who could care less. I have an Apple, I have an iPhone, but it's an iPhone 7, and, you know, I keep getting uh, messages that you need to update your phone because it's not going to work soon on our network, right? So, for me, this isn't necessarily one that, that matters, but some of you are like, Apple is the devil, okay? I, I have people in my life, like, you know, they like, I hate Apple, you know, is like their favorite slogan, or Apple is the devil, don't buy Apple products, you know? Uh, so... There are allegiances, and they presuppose what we do in our actions even, right? So, like, there's one brother I know that as soon as, the new, as soon as a new iPhone comes out, he'll have it the next week, you know, because his allegiance is to Apple in that way. How about Marvel in D.C., right? There is a brother in, in Detroit who, uh, a buddy of mine, who every time a new Marvel movie comes out, he just 
goes on how awesome it was, how, you know, how, how well made it was, how, you know, the acting was great. And then as soon as something from D.C. comes out, it's trash, you know, and he goes on about that as well. Me, I, I'm, I, I like both. I, I like D.C. I grew up with Superman and Batman and Aquaman and Wonder Woman. So uh, my allegiances tend to fall, you know, in the D.C. camp. And here's, here's one that might be a little more heated, you know? And, but where our allegiances fall, does that presuppose your actions? Does it presuppose your thinking? Do your political allegiances presuppose where you fall on any particular topic? So what's influencing your, what else might be influencing your allegiances, Right? Is it your social media, like what you're reading in social media? You know, it's what, maybe what you read on, on uh, Bing or what you read on Reddit, you know, like the, the, the threads that, that you're, 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 looking, you're looking at and you're reading. Are, are these the things that are influencing your allegiance? Does the news network that you are, are you know, exposing yourself to, does that, uh, does that give us more of an indicator of where you'll fall on a particular side of a, uh, of a topic more than what you're reading in your Bible? Because remember, this is the good news, right? This is where you find the good news, right? Not CNN or Fox News or even CBN, right? The Bible is where we're going to find the good news. The good news, the gospel, right? What's the gospel? This too is political, right? We get this word, and this is where we get the word evangelism, and, you know, we get the word evangelist, you, uh, evan- evangelion. I always mispronounce that one, I'm sorry. So, but it means good news, right? And I think that the good, you know, when I became a Christian, I was thinking that, all right, the good news is that my sins are forgiven. I'm going to go to heaven when I die, and God's going to answer all my prayers. That's the good news, right? The good news is that there's a new king. The king of my life is not me. And the good news is that, the, that Jesus is the king. That's the good news. So we need to be in allegiance with him, right? Living in a way that is pleasing to him. We need to make sure that we are falling under this concept of kingdom, right? Are we in the kingdom, right? In the kingdom doesn't just mean, well, I go to church every Sunday, I read my Bible, and I pray, therefore I must be in the kingdom. But the concept of kingdom is, is even grander than that. It's, it's when Jesus is reigning, in your life. He's not a donkey, right? The king we have is not a donkey. He is not an elephant. He's the slain lamb, okay? So what if we weren't aligned with an elephant or a donkey, but with a slain lamb? If only there was a group of people who align themselves with the slaughtered lamb and lived under the reign of him as king. If only that group exists. There is. And in the Greek, the word is ecclesia. 
all right? Ecclesia is a gathering of those summoned, and this is where we get the word church. So is the church the kingdom? Yes. And that's the, you know, that's the title of the sermon today, is the church is the kingdom. But why is the church so important? Well, we need to be mindful first, though, as before we dive into this, that church is not a building. This is not a church, okay? And, and I think as a, as a movement of, of churches and, and the international churches of Christ, I think we've gotten really good at this. It's like, church is not a building. But I think as we've gotten older and more comfortable, I think this fact that church is not an event, I don't think, I don't think we're, we're all necessarily... Uh, tuned in correctly to this and i can fall into this as well church becomes an event it might not be a building but what am i doing at sunday mo- on sunday mornings at 10 o'clock or if i'm in ann arbor uh four o'clock you know i'm going to church and, and it becomes just this event and it's not necessarily about the reign of the king so the church is the gathering of those summoned Church is the collective of those who've been called to live in allegiance and under the reign of the king. And our king is Jesus. Church is where I'm reminded of who sits on the throne. Right? Like, I need to be mindful of that. And, and I can find those things in my, in my time of prayer and meditation. And I can find those things in my time as I read the Bible. Or even in one-on-one fellowship. But... I need the church if I'm going to be reminded of who sits on that throne because too quickly I just revert back to me sitting on the throne and putting Jesus back up on that cross. So is the lordship of Christ obvious in my life? That is kingdom. Is the kingdom obvious in my life? Is lordship of Jesus obvious in my life? How is the lordship of Christ obvious in my life? Or even, how is the lordship of Christ not obvious in my life? These are things that we need to be mindful of, but not just to ask ourselves, because we can't rely on only asking ourselves these questions. That's why we need the church. That's why I need guys in my life like Ben Weatherston and Ramayan Series and Grant Askew and Kyle Eastman and Martin Nazimic to be in my life asking me these things and checking up on me, calling me out when I'm not being these things, when I'm selfish, you know, when I'm arrogant. And guys who know me well enough that know me when I'm, when I'm, hiding, the, when I'm hiding my sinful nature or trying to cover it up with this, this, uh, this false righteousness. That's why the church is so important, like, the, the kingdom, the reign of God in our lives, you know, is there. And then we have others who are, who, are, uh, who are living by that same standard, trying to live in allegiance with the Lord and calling others to that same allegiance. So when I was here over the summer, I did a, a, a communion lesson where I, I made some, uh, you know, I kind of like came up, I shared some truths that were evident in my life, Right? And this is something that I think that that the church is so helpful with and to remind us of is that that the Bible is always right, okay? 
That's one thing that I am convinced of, is that the Bible is always right. The other truth that I am convinced of is that I'm not always right. Okay? Now, the fact that I'm not always right, and the Bible is not always right, that means that, you know, therefore, my understanding of the Bible is not always right. And that's why I need the church. That's why I need, you know, men and women of God in my life helping me to decipher what it's going to take and making sure that I am, you know, in allegiance with my king. So we need each other to keep the kingdom of God in proper perspective. So that's our lesson for today on church's kingdom. I know it was kind of rapid fire. Uh, And so I appreciate you guys. I'm so grateful for you guys having me today. Thanks for all of what you're doing to take care of my best friends. And thanks for being family. I love you guys. And I'm going to invite John up to do communion.